Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we barf in the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Reese from Canadian Politics. Is so you, you know, um, I am here with a. Uh, it's just me. Sorry, I'm doing this because because Jesse is tired. Um, this is a very very uh, uh, random bonus episode. Um, essentially, uh, me and Jesse got invited to talk at a conference. Uh, we had a great time, um, and uh, we want to say thanks to Nick and his team from the Disrupted 2021 conference with CPHR. Um, basically, Nick Nick uh, listens to our show and was like, "Hey, um, we do HR conferences, and people say that you know our industry is boring. How about you do the?" Canadian Canadian politics is boring treatment on uh, our HR conference. So we did HR is boring, which was a an exclusive event for attendees at their their, um, their conference. And we thought, well, um, why not? You know, in the in the ever ever pressing need for for content, um, why not share this uh, since the event has happened um, with with our audience? You might get a kick out of it. We talk about the origins of HR. Um, and how Joseph Stalin used HR to take over the Communist Party and used HR for evil. Um, I hope we, we 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 did stress that we were hoping not to inspire um, HR professionals to to use their powers for evil. But um, yeah, uh, enjoy it. It's it's uh, it's different. It's a bonus episode, and uh, and yeah, hopefully you'll learn a bit about HR. Welcome to Canadian Politics is Boring! Hello, Disrupt It 2021. Um, uh, welcome to uh, HR is Boring, or is it? Um, I'm Reese Waters, and with me is the dancing man, Jesse Harley. Hello, hello! <laughs> um, At your we- service. <laughs> so uh, uh, we should we should probably start by telling you a bit about who we are and what we do. So uh, we are a podcast called Canadian Politics is Boring, and it's about me uh, and Jesse. I'm an I'm a new immigrant. Jesse's an apathetic Canadian. I'm learning about Canadian <laughs> politics. Je- Jesse doesn't care, and I'm trying to make him care by teaching him fun, exciting stuff that isn't boring. Um, and we are here to do a a treatment of that on HR. Um, have, I, have I missed anything, Jesse? Uh, no, no, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna teach me how how HR isn't uh, isn't boring, and if these people want to watch me be educated, then that's fine. I guess I'm I'm okay with that. But like, H- HR, my coffee I, in my kitchen. 
like HR has a similar perception to politics. I think like a lot of people assume that it's boring, but it's actually, it's complex. It involves people and people are messy and complex. So imagine that, uh, you know, if you're doing your job right, you don't get noticed in HR. So I, I can understand why. So this is... Uh, uh, w w this is this is me. D I've dug into some historical stories from HR, um, and it was fascinating. I and just want to say I'm already I'm already disappointed because in chat we had Lindsay McDonald and then Lindsay Ross, and then the third person was a Candace, and I was really hoping it was going to be another Lindsay. Oh. So just just like a nonstop stream of Lindsays. But please just continue. Yeah, stop being distracted by the fees. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um so i'm gonna basically take uh take everyone on a, a kind of like a roller coaster ride through through uh the some, 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 some moments in in history of human resources right. um and, and the kind of the 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 adventure i mean i say before we go into jesse have you got any hr how have you interacted with hr in the past have you ever had um any i, h I haven't had any like juicy story <laughs> really, if that's what you mean like streaking into work or anything like that nothing where they've had to chase me down and tell me that what i'm doing is wrong no i'm like <laughs> i know you're saying something i i've only well i've i've the only hr experience i have which i was talking about before that the stream started was that i turned up four hours late for a shift at a cinema when i was a student and the manager ran up to me and had no idea who i was and thanked me for coming in to cover for my own shift so, <laughs> it's like no problem i'm happy to help so, so the human resources field as we know it kind of started in the in 18th century Europe. Um, so, uh, 18th really? century, yeah, but not obviously it looked very different. The workplace was a very unhappy, oppressive, and often dangerous place. You know, slavery was hadn't been abolished in the U.S. at the beginning of that century, for instance. So, you know. Um, HR. Yeah, I don't know how slavery and HR would go hand like work together. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's it's not. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it wasn't a happy time to be in the workforce necessarily during that period. Um, right. For so many people, but um, they were there were two uh, people who came up independently with different ideas that kind of kickstarted the the, the story of HR. So there was. Uh, uh, someone called Robert Owen, who uh, was born in 1771, and there was uh, somebody called Charles Babbage, who was born in 1791. Babbage, Babbage, and That's they a were last name. Yeah, I think I, thought, I think Charles Babbage. It, it rang a bell. And I just realized. I think he, he invented the. Did he invent the Babbage engine, which was like an early computer? I think. Anyway, you're making that up. No, no, honestly, there's a there's an early computer called the Babbage engine. I don't know if it is him or not, but. Go somebody Google it and find out. So during the Industrial Revolution, they came to the conclusion, because obviously everyone was coming in from agricultural work and starting to um, work in factories and draw into the cities. And so they, they were, the workplace was changing, and uh, which had never happened before. And they came to the conclusion that um, people were critical to a successful business. Which was revolutionary at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they they they, they, right. they, they yeah. their idea was that that the well being of employees could lead to perfect work, and without healthy workers, the organization wouldn't survive. So, um, uh, Rob came Owen, to the conclusion that if you removed all people from a business, the business no, no. stopped running. This no, no, if if the people weren't looked after properly, they would have been. The, the business essentially you know if 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 the, you could almost lead create the perfect workspace by having welfare at the front of of everything you do so this was their idea and this was revolutionary at the time because again like we've already discussed you know work practices were awful um where people would be worked work to death and it was dangerous and you know it, it wasn't a it was kind of a revolutionary idea so uh robert owen was born in uh, newtown in wales um uh, where 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 I'm from, I didn't include him because he was also Welsh. It was just the it's just a coincidence. Um, but that's still, <laughs> sure. is a is a bonus. We've um, been down this road before. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in July 1799, uh, he bought uh, a mill, um, and uh, at the time, many of the workers were described as being from the lowest social levels. That's not my language. That's the language of these people at this time, um, and and. <laughs> They were described as of, of uh, expressing things like theft, drunkenness, and other vices that were common, um, and education and sanitation was neglected. So they had a very uh, uh, kind of their opinion of the kind of people they had was was uh, not very. Uh, 
not very modern. Right. I'll, I'll put it that way. But but at the same time, the um, the, oh, I suppose the it was modern for the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, in the context of all this time later. But I think the, the most of the families lived in one room, and uh, they they worked long hours, and they were demoralized, and they were it was a very horrible place to work. Um, so. Owen had the idea, like most businesses in Europe <laughs> during this period. Yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> Owen's idea was to basically offer them. Uh, what you found is, if you, if you, in the industrial revolution, people were building towns, and often the people who owned the mills and the mines also owned the shops and the homes that people lived in. So they would take your rent out of your pay, and then they would charge you food. But often they would charge a lot of money for that food. They were making oh money God, from you. What? It was kind of an endangered servitude. I was just going to say endangered servitude, yeah. like, but like, yeah. Okay. So, so Owens uh, offered goods at prices only slightly above the wholesale cost. So basically, he was allowing them to be able to afford decent food and enough food, um, and he would pass on. Uh, savings from the bulk purchases to uh, to the customers and also uh he placed strict uh regulation on alcohol he thought that alcohol was a big problem and that people shouldn't be drinking as much in the workplace which was you know in the workplace like people were yeah, turned up to work drunk you know he's ahead of his time <laughs> so he hold on a second <laughs> so he thought that all of these thousands of workers showing up plastered out of their minds might not be conductive for a healthy workplace. Is this like, is this, I, I, yeah, I'm which is right <laughs> way, way ahead of his time. So, okay, yeah, like, that's... Uh, so he tested his ideas. Um, and... words. My words are failing me. This is... <laughs> <laughs> My words are very both, disappointed with me. You're both failing <laughs> hand in hand. Um, so anyway, um, and he really, won, he, he apparently won his workers' confidence and the efficiency at the mill went through the roof and everyone was happy. It was like, um, I don't know, like, like a really happy place to work for the time in 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 that context um and so they weren't a, hungover and they had food to eat and yeah, yeah they had, people's and, moods increase exactly revolutionary and, <laughs> and the quote from one of the observers at the time was hilarious so um because one of his things was supporting youth education and early child care which is way ahead of his time this is like the 1800s oh what we need is to educate children and give them um uh you know uh, provide child care for people who are in the workplace which is mind-blowing at the time I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, uh, and, and mind blowing that that's mind blowing. That's <laughs> <laughs> so um, and one of the, one of the, um, the quotes from someone who observed the workplace was the manners of children brought up under his system were more graceful, genial, and constrained health, plenty and contentment prevailed. Um, and, and, the community prevailed. <laughs> and the from the rooftops, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the community earned uh, an internal international reputation, and social reformers, statesmen, and even Tsar Nicholas the First of Russia visited to to see what he was up to. Okay, so um, it's a good, it's a happy story. Is that is that it? That's it. Bye, everyone. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, that, that was just that was just Owen. Um, and I'm also gonna I'm gonna look at Charles Babbage because I'm. Yes, he did. Charles Babbage created the Difference Engine, which is a, a very early computer. Oh, One I remember the, the Difference Engine. There yeah. you go. Yeah, there yeah, you go. yeah. Right. So anyway, um, so uh, industrial. The first, the, first, uh, the first person to program that was a woman. Uh, so technically, the first computer programmer ever was a woman. I just forget her name. There you oh go. That's it. That's, <laughs> all, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all you've got. <laughs> that's my contribution to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you, waiters. I'll be here all week. <laughs> so um, then industrial welfare became a thing in the um, in the 1800s as well. So uh, what, what, in, became, what became what? Industrial welfare. Uh, was kind of the first form of of hu human resource management. Uh, so the they laws were starting to be passed to kind of improve si uh, the situation for workers at the time. So uh, in 1878, uh, legislation was passed to regulate the hours of work for children of women to limit them to only 60 hours a week. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Ada Lovelace, that's it. Thank you, Robin. Robin Walker. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, so essentially, uh, the yeah, children. I mean, an eighty eighty hour week for children is a bit much, but sixty hours is fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and then, but also, like the, earlier that century, they'd also uh, legislated to say that they should actually start inspecting factories as well. Because there's one thing they didn't do; they just let them make things and never bother checking to make sure that like people were fine and that there wasn't a giant spinning sharp metal thing just hitting people as they walked past. They didn't care. They, but then they were like, "Oh, maybe we should check in on these places and see if if everyone's fine." Wow! Wow! Okay. Um, have, have you ever heard of, heard of Joseph Rowntree? No. So he was a, a confectioner and industrialist, but um, I misspelled industrialist in my notes and put industrialist. Like someone who made candy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Except I wrote, I wrote industrialist as industrialist. So, um, but it was, I think he was an industrialist, not an industrialist. So, okay. um, uh, <laughs> so he was determined to produce top quality cocoa, chocolate, and confectionery, but he was also uh, equally determined to ensure fair wages and a high level of wealth, welfare to be achieved for workers. Um, so in 1896, he appointed a, one of the first ever welfare officers who basically, uh, her name was Mary Wood, and she was a social worker, and she was responsible for ensuring the well-being of women and children in the workforce, which had never happened before. She was kind of there dedicated to do that, um, which is still crazy because, yeah, so children, you know, they were very, very uh, ahead of their time, but children were still turning up to work, and uh, it was a very different era, but at least they in the context of the time still ahead of their time and a trailblazer um, i suppose i mean it kind of makes it kind of makes sense if in it, like it's horrible but it makes sense if there was no childhood education if there was nobody there to take care of children while the parents were working what are they gonna you know might as well yeah i'm <laughs> well with mommy and daddy we're putting you to work it's another set of another salary we can take yeah <laughs> my, my grandfather he left school when he was 14 um, and, and became yeah. wendy wendy's saying this is fascinating and fun Oh, at the well, same, that's, that's the always same the goal. That's always, yeah. wow, that, at the same time, simultaneous. That's great. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll try and keep it up. She <laughs> <laughs> didn't say fascinating or fun. She hasn't made up her yeah. mind yet. Yeah. <laughs> Either or. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, my, my grandfather left school when he was 14 to work in a coal mine and he worked there till he was in his like late 50s. Yeah, that's, that's, that, right. and that's just, I find that mind blowing. I think a lot of people of his generation did the same thing. Yeah. But, uh, when I was 14, I, I, there was, I was no way fit for any kind of workplace, let alone somewhere that involves heavy, heavy lifting. <laughs> I'm 42, and I'm still not fit for any workplace. Or... <laughs> so, so up until the 1900s, the main takeaway from that era was that workers were seen as no longer seen as expendable resources. The, the prevailing thought was they were actual people and they should be treated like people. So going into the next century, although it wasn't great for everyone, it was it was improving slowly and, and, and people were improving things. So uh, apparently, and this, this is, this is, this is uh, supposedly the first ever uh, personnel management department was started by the National Cash Register Company in the early 1900s. Um, so what had wow. happened was there were several strikes, strikes and employee lockouts. And the, the, the leader of the organization uh, organized a personnel department just to handle grievances, discharges, safety, as well as training for supervisors on new laws and practices in the workplace. So this is was the cash register, the um, cash register company. I have, I have a quick, uh, fun anecdote about uh, the cash register uh, company. I'm assuming it's a cash register company because it has the national cash register company. I don't, I don't actually know if it's them who started this or not, but you know how uh, prices are often like one penny less, like instead of $5, it's $4.99 and, or $6.99 or $7.99. And we've been taught our whole lives that it's because it's a psychological trick. It makes it seem like it's cheaper. Apparently it's not true. When cash registers first came out, um, again, so I don't know who implemented this uh, as a thing. The, the all the prices would be like just straight up like even amounts of of, of dollars, like two dollars, one dollar, three dollars, and a lot of cash register um, cashiers would just pocket the money and not open till right. <clears throat> and so they noticed that like oh we're 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 losing a lot of money and we don't know who's stealing from us, but we know someone is. Um, so they just they changed all the prices to be one penny less so that they had to open the cash register and give them some change every single time. So the cash register had to be open, which means it was logging a transaction, just if it, even if it was just one penny. So that's to stop thievery. And to this day, that's that's continued on, even though, well, I even though everyone's doing tap. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Second contribution to the show. You're welcome. Continue, Reese. <laughs> no, that was that was that was very unjesty. That contribution. That was both informative know, right? yeah, and like entertaining. Lock and rule. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in in 1916, it started to become 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 compulsory in a lot of places to have a welfare worker in explosive factories, um, and was encouraged in munitions factories, um. Uh, basically, because yeah, it's a it's a very stressful place to work. So, um, uh, factory is very stressful and explosives. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, if you don't want to drop anything, or <laughs> you know, you let a cigarette too early, and you're in big trouble. So, I think <laughs> welfare officers to make sure everyone was fine and everyone was okay was, and I think that's a, that's a positive thing. So, do you think? Hold on, do you think they want the welfare officer was there to make sure that like. Uh, people weren't drunk smoking cigarettes or or dropping the like was it wasn't for the welfare of the of the employees but to make sure that the munitions factory itself didn't explode like let's well, make yeah sure. well i think the implication is that if people weren't doing their jobs properly and feeling great about about the uh to the, the targets you've got to make 10 bombs today um, you know then uh if things started to go wrong fall apart there it could be catastrophic for them and uh, a 15 mile radius i guess <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's you know, <laughs> I was going with that. <laughs> yeah. um, and then in the twentieth century, um, HR emerged as a as a specific field, and there was a a, a person called Frederick Frederick Winslow Taylor, uh, who was born in eighteen fifty six, uh, and he explored what he termed scientific management or Taylorism, as it's been called. I mean, if you come up with something and they they they, um, they, they name it after you, then you know that you've uh, you've done something important. So if you come up with something, Jesse, and they call it Jesseism, then um, okay. they're afterwards. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to know what Jesseism is. No, but. I don't either. <laughs> um, it's not so, good. So, and it was kind of striving to improve economic efficiency and manufacturing jobs was the main focus. So, um, he, you're right. Yes, I was just uh, snorting <laughs> my nose, and I muted the, the, the thing so you wouldn't have to hear me. Instead, I'm just doing this, which makes it look really weird. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> just popping off screen. Yeah, so you're leaning over and taking a bite of a cake every once in a while. So anyway, um, uh, he eventually focused uh, on one of the principal inputs in in the manufacturing process, um, labor. So, <laughs> if I had cake, I'd show it, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to hide my cake. Sorry, what was his name again? Frederick. Uh, Frederick Winslow Taylor, and he was all about um, the manuf manufacturing process and labor and workforce productivity, basically. So he about. came up with a Taylor's scientific management consisted of four principles. This is what he came up with. Rule number one, replace rule of thumb work methods with methods based on a scientific study of the tasks. Okay, what? So, so rather than just, you know, when if say you're going to say you're doing DIY and you could look at that shelf and you go, ah, it's about that long. I'm going to cut here. And then you take it back and it doesn't fit. So they're basically saying, um, you know, to formalize things. So if you're producing things in manufacturing, you're not using kind of judgment or guesswork. Everything is kind of studied and measured so that you're being efficient. You use it. You're maximizing the materials you've got. Essentially, just trying to um, uh, formalize the process so it's not kind of, um, you know, there's no there's no alchemy involved right okay <laughs> All right, yeah, make yeah. Sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so number two is to scientifically select train and develop each employee rather than passively leaving them to train themselves <laughs> so, <laughs> and they didn't have youtube tutorials right so, yeah you know whatever we're using today we'll yeah, if, if i was gonna have to learn a new skill without a youtube tutorial um and i was expected to train myself i just make up my own way of doing it i actually i actually got a job using youtube once it was uh I, thank God I forget the name of the company because I, I probably shouldn't have said it anyway. But I went and they asked me, like, it was like a graphic design job. And like, oh, do you know this program? You Like, everyone who's taking this job has to know this program off by heart. I'm like, yes, I know that. Of course I know this program. Who hasn't heard of that program? And they're like, oh, you're hired. You start tomorrow. Sweet, thanks. And I went home and I studied my ass off on how to, like, I had never even heard the program before. But thanks, YouTube. You got me a job. Anyway, like, that wouldn't have flown in Frederick Winslow Taylor's no. factories. <laughs> And no YouTube in in the right. 20th century. <laughs> what so they uh, like in the earliest 20th century. Jeez, that'd be... I'd love to see uh, 18th century TikTok. That'd be great. Just people people falling off penny farthings and. Stuff like that. <laughs> 
anyway <laughs> that'd be amazing <laughs> <laughs> um, number three was to provide detailed instruction and supervision of each worker in the performance of that worker's discrete task so basically performance management right so not judging how well they're doing their job based on whether you like the look of them, but actually writing down what they're doing and everything. Which, um, And then the, the fourth one was divide work nearly equally between managers and workers so that the managers apply scientific management principles to planning the work and the workers actually perform the tasks. Um, which... There's a lot to unpack there. Sense, honestly, <laughs> it all makes sense now. Yeah. But he was the first person to write this down. <laughs> so it's like... Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was uh, a, an Italian communist called Antonio Gramsci, and he argued Name's that man. what's that? His names are amazing. Good. Good. Well, I think that's a, a great name for an Italian communist. If you were going to come up with one, that's the one I would have gone for. So they argued that the uh, the repetitive communist, work, communist or columnist, an Italian communist, Com- communist. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he argued that the repetitive work produced by Taylorism and these kind of three, four principles uh, would give rise to revolutionary thoughts in workers' minds, basically because they would be entreated and being managed so... Yeah, well, no, because they would be entreated and managed so intentively that they wouldn't like being um, infringed upon in that way. They wouldn't like being... What? Well, essentially, they're being managed, heavily managed by the work, by the management. So for the first time ever, they were starting to really measure how much work they'd done. And are you following the rules? And did you measure this properly? And how are you performing? So um, yeah. they, he thought it was going to kind of, in that circumstance, that the workers would start to feel like they needed to revolt against the factory because they I were get being... It. No, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I've, I've been, like, I've had jobs not, I mean, like... Where where that has become a problem, where it's where, yeah, I I, I feel you know overmanaged sort of thing. That's, that's yeah, exactly. Before, yeah. Well, considering that like no one had ever been managed in the workplace like that before in history, and suddenly they were being managed. This was the point where like they were like, but they're going to revolt. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but I think it's like, did you do your job today? No. Ah, oh, well, maybe you shouldn't be working here. Revolt! <laughs> <laughs> um, so in in the um, in the early twenties, it did actually happen in Canada. So the the textile industry uh, was reorganized in Canada according to the scientific management principles. Um, and in nineteen twenty eight, the workers at Canada Cotton Limited in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, went on strike and refused to work because of the meth- the Taylorist methods being used. So turns out uh, Antonio was right. Okay. <laughs> like, stop watching me do my job. Look away. Um, Thanks, Antonio. So, like, the, 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 from the beginning of the 20th century to, like, the 1930s, uh, I think employer, employers were starting to get compensated more fairly, and they were become... I think employers realized that by, through training and development that they were more valuable to an organization. They weren't as dispensable as they used to be. So HR was moving into a space where it was like, oh, if we train people, we do, like, performance-related stuff, and... We, we can really start to grow and shape a culture and a workforce that is useful to us um, and that it's a kind of a two-way street. So that idea was starting to come through, but there were people who were starting to use HR for evil in this period as well. How are we talking? Ta- <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> for evil. <laughs> with HR, you have a lot of responsibility and with great power comes great to, responsibility. Yeah, I want to know these HR supervillains, man. This is <laughs> okay, not, so not for like using HR, not for their like their own personal gains. They, or, they was, or I found evil. Okay. <laughs> I found I, well, it's, I found one mainly supervillain, and his, uh, you might have heard of him. His name was Joseph Stalin. I, he does ring a bell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't think HR was really you like I'm guessing it wasn't really used in Joseph Stalin's sort of uh, factories or times at all. I'm just I'm no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> so so basically Stalin used Stalin was never seen as um, he was a, he was basically uh, came from a, the Georgia, a, Georgia, where um which you know was was on the outskirts of the USSR. It oh my God, Carrie, Jesus! <laughs> what happened? Oh, just don't don't read the chat, man. Oh my God! <laughs> don't, 
<laughs> oh, sweet mother of God. <laughs> I think this is the thing that I just read it. This is our crowd. This is great. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, <laughs> Oh my God, Carrie's going to have to talk to her HR. You are HR. <laughs> talk, go and talk to yourself. You're going to have a nice long, nice, long, hard talk in the mirror later, Carrie. <laughs> so, so Stalin was essentially um, uh, oh from a God. poor background in Georgia and not from Russia, which was obviously the main part of Georgia. Can we get Carrie on our, our regular show just saying, like, yeah, this yeah, is. <laughs> <laughs> um so stalin uh was never seen as being like the right person for high profile posts in the communist party he was only ever low level but what he managed to do was get himself in about 1919 to be the head of the organizational bureau uh, which was the hr department of the communist party in the ussr Um, and it was seen as like a boring technical body um and uh just part of organizing people but stalin realized that he he was in charge of recruitment and promotion and discipline so he used his position there to appoint low-level posts and medium-level posts people who were his friends and sympathetic to him so over a, a period of like a decade or two he kind of systematically uh filled the organization with people who were loyal to him from this kind of mid-level boring post and then climbed his way further and further and further and this um, is using hr as like well he was head of hr so he basically so he could hire whoever he wanted well no that's not true that's not what I. well no he couldn't hire who he wanted but he, he could influence the decisions and things that were going on and through that role he then so um, like oh you should fire these people you should definitely you know this person's doing a great job let's promote them sort of thing yeah exactly exactly so he created like a huge network of people who owed him favors and were loyal to him so that when when it was time for um it, so w- with the the, po- the creation of the post of uh, general secretary in 1922 um stalin was basically in the perfect position to oust his rivals and take control of the party because the party was largely full of people he'd appointed wow wow so and then okay. you know, yeah so that, that's how you can you can you can you don't do this it's <laughs> not a kind of disruption we want in 2021 don't do this yeah, don't you. use your powers for evil but it's just to say that um don't follow in joseph stalin's footsteps is what you're telling yeah. everyone today this is yeah learn, this is the takeaway learn. of today's of today's lesson don't be joseph stalin thank you yes yeah, you're gonna look, walk away with one thing it's like it's fine you can have a mustache you can even wear like you know uniforms that's totally fine whatever you want to do but just don't be you stalin. can dress up like joseph stalin i'd like him but you can you can stalin. okay just don't be him. yeah thank you everyone this is our show and we always go to world war ii and hitler and joseph stalin for some unknown reason it always devolves into that don't don't that wave really passing missiles that drive in i really thought a, a show on human resources would be free from talking about <laughs> hitler and joseph stalin nope i was wrong the takeaway is don't be joseph stalin as it always is at the end of all of our episodes please continue <laughs> so anyway uh, <laughs> So Karen says, oh, if I had $5 for every time I said, if only people would use their creativity for good instead of evil. I thought, Karen, that I was about to read, uh, if only I had $5 for every time I said, don't be Joseph Stalin. And that would have been a totally different yeah, takeaway from. So anyway, sorry, that's, please continue, Reese. I'm, I'm just, I, I haven't been paying attention to the Brad's chat. Like, I'm, really, what did you learn from, from the conference? Don't be Joseph Stalin. <laughs> please tell people that, Brad. Yeah, that's gonna. That's gonna. Yeah, we've got a new t. We've got a new T-shirt. It's just gonna say, "Don't be Joseph Stalin." There we go. <laughs> to go with all the other T-shirts. That yeah. <laughs> so so um, please continue telling me how I should not be Joseph Stalin. All right, and all these other wonderful people. Yeah. So uh, then, during during the nineteen twenties uh, and onwards, then uh, the, the job titles like labor manager and employment manager were introduced uh, into the engineering industry and other industries, and you know where there were large factories. So it became. Are we complex. still talking about Joseph Stalin? No, no, we've moved on. We've, we've moved, moved on. on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you've so you've got to move on from Joseph Stalin, Jesse. We've moved. Okay, that's all right. I don't know. I can never tell. It always like just blends so smoothly <laughs> in our shows, right? So, so what time period are we now? What's going on? We're not. This so- is kind of nineteen twenties onwards. So, okay. Um, the 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 role. Um, 
of handling kind of absence, recruitment, dismissal, uh, and bonuses was kind of becoming uh, normal in in a lot of organizations. You know, it, HR departments became uh, the the rule rather than the exception. Um, uh, but there were like lots of different uh, variations of it. So uh, in the 1930s, after the economy started to pick up again, uh, there were lots of new corporations emerging in new sectors. And they really saw the value of improving employee benefits as a way of recruiting the best people. So this was the first time that HR was seen as a recruitment tool rather than just a management tool where oh, wow. if they... If they if they were like, hey, what what if we did look after people and really dedicated people came to work for us? Wouldn't that be a, a novel idea? So, <laughs> rather than just like you know the old fashioned way of shouting at them and overcharging them for food. So <laughs> revolutionary, revolutionary, <laughs> or over managing them. <laughs> so. Um, but then older industries like textiles and mines and shipbuilding at the time that were hit, hit by recession, they, they tended to be slower to adopt those techniques um, because they, they, they had no difficulty recruiting labor because uh, those industries typically were, were more dependable. And it, it kind of even echoes that today. You get a lot of like Silicon Valley, a lot of like the really trendy new sectors are like, we need to attract the best people. So we need to have, you know, free food or a slide that, that goes from the top floor to the bottom floor, even though we're all grown up. Oh God, well, kind of why stuff. haven't I worked in a place with that? Have you? <laughs> no, Was but if, if you, if you, if you, if you look at like the, like, all the like the kind of top uh, kind of tech startups in Silicon Valley, they have things like like you're allowed to have. There's just like cats walking around for you to pet, and there's like slides and I had, like can I, can ice I tell cream. A story about that. There, I worked at I worked at a place yeah. called iStockPhoto.com, um, and it was it was kind of like yeah, they had just been sold to Getty for like fifty million dollars, which was huge at the time because they were a brand new sort of company, only a few years old. And the owner was this really cool. He had a mohawk and tats, and he's like, "I don't care what you wear to work, wear whatever you want." And then they just the job was kind of boring, but the company was amazing in treating its employees. We had free fruit and free granola bars and free coffee and hot chocolate and everything you could possibly just snack on in the kid yogurt. It was all there, everything you wanted. Uh, there was bean bags to lounge around in. Dogs were allowed to kind of wander in and out of the place. Uh, as many smoke breaks as you wanted. Every single uh, Friday at 4.30 p.m., they would come on the speakers and say to everybody, stop what you're doing, turn off your computers, and come to the kitchen and drink the beer that we bought you. And all the employees would come and get drunk together at work at 4.30 at, on, on a Friday. And my favorite part is once a month, they would have a professional masseuse come in and give you back rubs while you worked at your desk. I'm not making that up. That's... So yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it was kind of like a tech startup in a sense, right? And yeah, yeah. You're it sounds there. like it sounds like you can um uh it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> people pay to like go to a health spa that offer those kind of benefits. It sounds like it sounds like fun, but I I I think I'd find it hard to separate I've got a job to do and I'm here to have fun. I think I would just I did have a hard time to separate. <laughs> <laughs> I had a very hard time. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so, no, uh, well, like, yeah, when the company took over, that kind of all, Brad, uh, that did very, over a course of a couple of years, um, it, basically those things all kind of disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> Getty was uh, very, yeah, anyway, I won't get into bad-mouthing people that mentioned. Please continue, Reese. <laughs> yeah, we love Getty images. We they're, love they're, Getty. They're so many images. That's all I can say. So many. All of them. Uh, so in the 60s and the 70s, employment started to develop a lot more. So personnel techniques, theories of like social sciences about motivation and organizational behavior. And then like in the 80s, um, everything just kept progressing from there on out um, to, to where we are today, essentially. And I mean, like the, the pandemic has probably been a huge test for this will probably be a new era or it'll be written about in textbooks about how HR dealt with everyone suddenly working from home, having to change from that environment of, hey, we're all. Um, we're all in a workplace together to then suddenly have everybody working from their home. I don't think that's ever happened in history. So. I mean, like, honest to God, at what point in history did we have to, like, have meetings and remind people to please wear pants? Seriously, though. That didn't happen in the 1800s. <laughs> I mean, it might have, but, like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the only working from home happened if you were stuck work, living in a factory where you worked. That was the only instance you... <laughs> <laughs> 
go wake up George. He's drunk again. Yeah, he's, asleep. He's, he's asleep. asleep under under he's asleep under that tile. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> having a meeting, get him to put his pants on. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but then like sometimes like we're talking about those crazy perks. There's a um a hedge fund called Numerai that um uh offers uh people uh, as a as a perk cryopreservation. So basically one of the perks is they'll what? freeze they'll freeze you when you die. No freaking way. Uh, and the phrase is Numerai cares about its employees beyond their legal deaths. I mean, that's, that's, that's the definition of going the extra mile. Beyond their legal death? Yeah, as in like they'll freeze you. Death. So they, they I mean, a murder, I suppose. So they you don't, know, if you're murdered, so, they don't care. Is that weird? Yeah. Okay. So if, I mean, as long as they're looking after you while they're still alive, that's great. <laughs> so that's amazing. Oh my God. I wonder how many bodies they've frozen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, they, Another one does uh, uh, vacation roulette. So essentially, everyone comes to work one day with luggage, like they pack their suitcases, and then one of the em- uh, like employees gets to go to Vegas for the weekend. You know, so it's like a uh, hold on, of- what? Hold on, wait. Everyone packs as if they're going to leave, but most of them aren't. No, so everyone turns up to work with a packed suitcase, that's and then what I at the end, yeah, that's at what the end of the day, they go, "Well done, Linda. You're going to Vegas," and everyone else goes home and unpacks. But it might be How many times are going to be a pain in the butt? Can't you pack after? <laughs> Can't you find out that you won the vacation roulette and then go pack? Or do you have to leave that second? That's why they're forcing you to pack? That's weird. It's I've got to go pick the kids up. No, get on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a weird sort of... Like, you can't really complain because they're giving away free vacation, but it's like, it's a weird, that's weird. That's just weird. <laughs> exactly. I've packed my suitcase 25 times this year already. One of these days, like, just <laughs> no, I wouldn't call this a benefit. I would call this, I mean, this would make me personally feel uncomfortable, but there's a company in the UK that does Naked Fridays. So um, clothes are optional. Um, oh my god, what company is this? I have uh, to go I don't know if I know who they are. Um, Fridays. Oh my god. It's supposed to boost morale. It'd have the opposite effect for me. So it's a um uh it's, so I would read it. I the article's behind a it's paywall. It's a porn company, isn't it? No, it's, it's not. Straight, it's it's not. just just straight up porn company. That's no um, okay. <laughs> no. Uh, some companies they they they'll pay you to walk or ride your bike instead of driving, so you can get extra six dollars a day if you uh, walk or drive. Oh, that's kind of cool. All right, can we go back uh, to the HR nightmare that would be? Let's have everyone be naked <laughs> at work. Like I can't find. I can't. It's behind a paywall. I can't give any more information than like. There's naked. probably there's like the, the the problems that go on in HR with like uh, inter workplace dating and sexual harassment suits. Like. Cu- Please, everyone, show up naked on Friday. Let's see what problems that might create. Like, yeah, so, that'd be, yeah, that would be exactly so. I need to be a nature nightmare. <laughs> naked Friday was designed to help employees strip away innovation, inhibitions, strip away, <laughs> and talk to each other more openly and honestly. It doesn't get more open or honest than that. <laughs> uh, Harry's got an erection again. Okay, <laughs> Jesus. We are never being invited back to just do this, like just this, this kind of <laughs> next year. This is it. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Don't be stalling. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, that is, uh, oh, uh, that is the, uh, the, the story I've put together of HR. <laughs> Wasn't there some sort of thing we had a, a like a, a secret code? That's it. Yeah. So, um, if you want the secret code points, well, first of all, we we've, we we should we should uh, uh, we should summarize before we give away the secret code because okay. people let, everyone will leave because they got what they needed from us. Right? Yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so um, how do you feel? What have you learned, Jesse, about HR through time? Uh, I've learned that um, human cruelty knows no bounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that. Uh, the, bizarrely it took like 150 years for companies to realize that their employees actually are what make the companies run and keeping those employees happy kind of like keeping gears well oiled will surprise surprise have the company run better and further <laughs> and uh let's see uh don't be stalin that's, that's don't be stalin that's, 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 that's three that's, yeah that was the bottom in notes um, in capitals. So um, before, before we wrap up, I'll tell you what I learned. I learned that people are pro- being progressively nicer to each other as time goes on. Oh, my God, you're right. Yeah, no, that's definitely... <laughs> you look back wow, at it, like, yeah. 
I mean, you know, kids are now limited to only 55 hours in the workplace. <laughs> 60 hour work. I mean, we, we complain about 60 hour work week now as adults if we ended up having to work that amount of time. And um, to make a child do it, it's just insane. Yeah, we've done you know, time, done time's changed. Our child God. labor uh, to, to Naked Fridays. This is where we progress. <laughs> this is <laughs> your clothes. I don't care. Do what you want. Exactly. Harry. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh thank yeah you our, everyone in the chat you guys are being so nice yeah so, thank you so much yeah, and, everyone's uh, being really nice to us thank you guys ah somebody called us a breath of fresh air which is yeah, which is nice thank you thank you no you are no thank you um so the, the code the code is cpb1707 i'll say that again no don't C that's it C they're, they're writing it down and it's uh, that's <laughs> cpb1707 so uh, you can go and get your points um and points mean prizes um can we can we do this too can we get prizes i don't know i don't think so probably not no it's fine. <laughs> no we're just you know we're the yeah. <laughs> we're just handing it out uh thank you all so much for 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 joining us and if you've got uh if you've got earbuds in then uh thank you for sticking us in your ear holes uh big fan of canadian politics is boring oh thank you so much nick that's so nice of you yes if anyone uh, wants to check out our, our other podcast it is canadian politics is boring where reese does this exact same thing but with me but with politics instead of every week fun. every week um, uh, so, like, um, I actually learned a lot about uh, human resources today that I did not know about. I am horrified to know how Stalin used it, although it's not surprising at all that we brought him up in our show, as we tend to do with either him or Hitler for some strange reason. So, <laughs> and, uh, on Monday we have an episode dropping out, drop in that is all about the 1972 summit series, the hockey match between the USSR and Canada, and the cultural event it was politically and uh, everything. It's it's fun. It was a fun episode to do. So um, Linda, Linda is wanting. Oh, okay. Never mind. There are the people. Did, no, no. Oh, sorry. CPB. Is my yeah, crazy? Is my, is my outrageous accent? Sorry. Yeah, why, not, why don't you do like uh, an acronym for it? You keep uh, talking uh, over me when I'm trying to read it. Yes. <laughs> oh, Canadian C. politics boring. And again, C <laughs> CPB one seven zero seven. So CPB one seven zero seven. There we go. I just realized the acronym was us. Canadian politics boring. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said go Habs. Somebody said Habs question mark. Um and somebody just thanks Craig for subscribing to our podcast. Um yeah, I appreciate it. Craig's a winner. Be like Craig. <laughs> Don't be like Stalin. Don't be like Stalin. <laughs> be like Stalin. Like Not less like Stalin, Stalin, more Craig. That's what I say. So. <laughs> oh, and Brad has to say go Leafs. Does anyone else want us to plug their hockey team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My, I got three kids. One of them supports the Leafs. One supports the Habs, and the other supports the Oilers. So, um, what a nightmare! Yeah, it's a very well, confusing. Time is almost up. I don't know if we're going to oh. just be cut off or what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sentence, but uh, thank you everyone for for listening. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> and oh, I'm just reading the Bruins. Bruins. Had a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. We really appreciate uh, coming to your conference and delivering our nonsense. Thank you. <laughs> That's that's for sure. <laughs> what are you doing the rest of the day, Reese? Um, I, I haven't thought that far ahead yet. I was just yeah, focused on this. <laughs> I, I, I got a big box of Lucky Charms in the corner that's eyeing me down. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. And um, yeah, um, wow, it's uh, it's really nice to see uh, so many thanks and kind kind comments. This has been really good fun. Yeah, well, it's 12.45. We haven't been shut down. If anyone has any <laughs> questions for us for the next minute, I guess maybe we can ask, answer. I don't know. We'll do we, gonna get, do we get kicked off? I've got no idea. I have no clue. Are we supposed to leave? <laughs> I don't know how this works. I'm having fun. Let's stay here for a while. So, um, yeah. We extended it until 4 p.m., everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, research some more. Um, I'm just waiting for you guys to end at this point. Oh, we're, oh we're, okay. okay. Well, we're going to end in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Thank you, Bye. everyone. Uh, so that was uh, HR is Boring, our special bonus episode that was for a live conference. Uh, and I had a thought while I was, uh, while, you, while you were listening to this and I was editing it, um, if you have a uh, an industry that you think is boring and you might want us to come and just, just you know, basically uh, crash your conference and 
and prove to people why your industry is actually very fascinating uh, in the way that we do it, then uh, give us a call, email us or whatever um, at CanadianPoliticsIsBoring at gmail.com. Uh, maybe maybe you're from a cardboard box uh, company and you go into the International Cardboard Box Conference and then you challenge us to go make a make an hour-long comedy show, a live podcast that will make cardboard boxes and the history of cardboard boxes thrilling. I'm, I'm up for that challenge. Um, if you're if you're a cardboard box entrepreneur, reach out. Let us know. Um, it's it's a weird one, I know, but um, it kind of worked. We had some great feedback from people in the who attended the conference, and it was completely different uh, from uh, the proceedings that they they normally had. So, uh, thanks again to Nick and, and his team. Uh, Nick, uh, thanks for listening to our show as well, and and then and then taking a chance on having us crash your your conference so uh have a wonderful day and uh um, i don't know end podcast ending in three two one end catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, dear listener, do you enjoy listening to us ramble incoherently about Canadian politics and history? Boy, do we have a special fucking treat for you. We've got our first ever official live show at a bar. It's at Two Crows Brewing on uh, Brunswick Street in Halifax on Sunday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. And uh, if you go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, if you look at the banner at the top, it will take you to the tickets so that you can uh, book a ticket and come and spend some quality time. It is going to be a very intimate affair. There are like only about 50 tickets available. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to quiz. Reese is going to quiz me at the end, but he's also going to quiz the audience and see if they know more than I do. And any alcohol you buy, Reese and I, we promise to drink it no matter how much it is. If you want to hold our hair while we bar from the plants outside of the bar, we'll do that for you. So go to CanadianPoliticsIsBoring.com, click the banner at the top, and on Sunday, May the 26th at Two Crows Brewing on Brunswick Street, we will see you there.